It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Mr. Chuck Knapp. I am excited to have John Holt with us. He's with Fox 4 Kansas City. He's a news anchor and an investigative and special projects reporter. He has covered a lot of different stories over his career. And we're excited to dig into that career, how he got started and, and how he was able to make it to uh, a large market like Kansas City. So John, I know you've won lots of awards and you've, you've really had a magnificent career. We're really, really pleased that you could take some time and join us this morning. Thanks, Chuck. My, uh, my honor to be, uh, I guess, one of your first guests here on the rebranded show and I, I don't do espresso drinks but i have my coffee with me so cheers and, and coffee will work and the jayhawk looks good thank um, you I, I, i'm maybe a little branding there for my school of journalism and my my university i'm very proud of and obviously with football doing so well right now it's it's a good time to be a jayhawk yes it is it always is but especially so now and we do we want to talk about uh journalism and then also you have a law degree so we want to talk about that a little bit sure. later as well but let's let's start in the beginning uh you grew up in great bend i believe or in the area can you tell us a little bit about growing up in a smaller town kansas and maybe some of the activities you did career aspirations at the time and then how you decided to go to KU? Well, it's uh, growing up in Great Bend, and I don't think we realize it when we're kids, uh, proved to be a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. And I can explain that, but it was really an idyllic uh, childhood. Um, we, you know, we played outdoors a lot, a lot of sports, pick up games without benefit of texting or social media. We just managed to find ways to get together. Um, it, you know, we could get on our bikes and ride all over town. And as long as we were back for dinner, you know, that kind of thing, it was a very safe environment and uh, just loving not just my parents, but other families, sets of parents. I, I, I like to say I grew up with multiple sets of parents uh, in our close circle of friends. And so I, I've always been grateful and I've always told young people, I've done a couple of graduation uh, speeches and I always say, be proud of where you came from. Don't ever be afraid to tell people where you grew up and how important that was to your life. And I certainly am grateful for the upbringing I had in that small town in central Kansas. What were some of the things you did uh, as a youth, maybe some of the activities that you participated in? What, what were some of those things that kind of formed you? You mentioned, you know, playing and riding your bike and things like that, but were yeah. there any formal activities, extracurricular activities? You sure. Did? Well, I, I played in, you know, sports, intramural leagues more than anything. And that really kind of goes to the heart of why I ended up doing what I'm doing. When I was in high school, my, my two brothers, and they were, they were the athletes in the family. And uh, I learned pretty quickly that my future was not going to be uh, making money by playing baseball or basketball or whatever. Uh, it, was, it was kind of tough, I'll be honest at times, because when you're in high school, junior high and high school or middle school and high school, the focus is on student athletes and they get, you know, a lot of the kudos and the, and the pats on the back. And I often had friends come to me and say, Hey, why aren't you as good as your brothers? You know, and, and that, that kind of, you're young, you're, you're trying to figure yourself out. And that, and that was, that was kind of painful, but I also determined that while I wasn't very good at that, I had a pretty good ability 
to converse. I had the gift of gab. So I got involved in speech, uh, debate, uh, forensics, which for me, the best part of that was extemporaneous speaking, where you're given a topic, 30 minutes to prepare on current issues, and then you go and, and talk about it before judges. And I learned I was pretty good at that. And as a result, kind of began to realize, you know, that's where my future might lie. And now I must tell you, when I spent a couple summers working on a farm uh, for a neighbor, I actually enjoyed the thought of being in sports, a play-by-play -play announcer, for example. I would do games in my head while I was out there driving a pacewather in the heat of the summer. I always thought that's where I would wind up uh, because I did love sports, but ultimately uh, I went down a news path and we can talk about that. But bottom line, it was that realization that I had a passion for public speaking. Uh, and that became sort of the avenue that led me uh, to my career. I also got lucky being in a small town with a small town radio station. We did a little high school. Uh, I was on the paper, newspaper in high school. We did a little Thursday night, 15 minute show called Panther Parade on the local AM radio station. It was locally managed. The, the general manager there heard me on the radio and clearly thought I had at least a voice for radio. They were launching an FM automated station and needed part-time help. And he asked me if I would be interested. And of course I jumped at it. It was really nothing more than making sure the big reels of easy listening music were updated. They had three computers just running those things checking off the log to make sure commercials ran, but I also got to record news and weather. And that was sort of my first entree into, into paid broadcasting. In summers, I left the farm and went to work on the AM station and then uh, continued one summer when I came back from KU. And that is, I fell in love. I found my passion, fell in love with broadcasting. That's great. They tell me I have a face for radio. <laughs> I think I still do too, but good lighting and makeup have been huge. <laughs> right. So you knew then going to KU as a freshman that you wanted to be in broadcasting radio, maybe maybe a sports path, but but you knew you wanted to be in broadcasting when you went to KU as a freshman. I did. I was not undecided in my major. I knew what I needed to do to get into the KU School of Journalism uh, after two years. At that time, you went in as a junior. Um, so I started to build, you know, classes that would that would help me along the way, the requirements, so on and so forth. I also worked very hard at trying to find part-time work at a commercial radio station in Lawrence. I had no luck my first year, but persistence pays off. Uh, I bugged the program director at this station so much, he finally reached out and said, I've got an opportunity for you if you're interested. I think he thought I'd say no. It was midnight to 6 a.m., Saturday night to Sunday morning. They needed a DJ, that one shift. And I think he expected me to say no, and I jumped on it, even though as a college kid, when, you know, midnight to 6 a.m., Saturday night to Sunday morning cuts you out a lot of the social fun. Uh, but I just wanted to get a foot in the door. And I knew if I got a foot in the door, I might be able to move over into their news department as well, which is ultimately what happened. I was able to do some part-time news coverage for them as well. But again, just I, I knew what I wanted to do. I was going to do anything I could to get there, even if it meant, you know, coming home on a Sunday morning to my fraternity house in Lawrence at 6, 6.30 a.m. when everybody else was sleeping off the night before. Right. Did you have, so it sounds like you were pretty driven and focused on your end goal. Did you have any advisors or mentors and, and probably the, the person who gave you that first or offered you that first job may have been, but were there any at KU or, or back home that really encouraged you and, and kept you moving in that mm -hmm. direction? 
Yes, uh, and the answer is yes to both. Uh, my my parents were were great mentors. My mom especially really urged me to to follow my heart and my passion um, more than once. You know, and it, when you go into this business, you know you're not going to make a lot of money right off the bat. Uh, you're just you're just not. It's it's not the way it works. You have to earn your way. You have to work your way to that point where you can make a decent living. There's a lot of discussion about. Uh, that right now in our industry about almost poverty wages in some cases, I think it's getting better. But uh, back then, I didn't care. I knew what I wanted to do and how I was going to get there. At KU, we had journalism advisors. I had some, some professors who uh, I could go to to talk to about uh, my plans and also uh, a fellow who ultimately became the dean of the law school, who was at that time in the School of Journalism, Mike Couch, uh, now retired, who was a, a great mentor of mine. He viewed my path is a good one, but he also thought maybe I'd be a good media lawyer and played a key role in me deciding to go to law school, along with a guy by the name of Bill Curtis. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you. Southeast Kansas lad who went on to be a network anchor for a time, but a major anchor in C at WBBM in Chicago. He had worked at the a TV station I ultimately started at. And so a time or two, I visited with him and the law degree proved helpful for him in his career. And I thought, hmm, Maybe that's something I can do and ultimately did go to law school. Uh, and uh, I use the degree every day. People say, why'd you go to law school? And I say, well, I thought about being a media lawyer, but in the end, I had that passion for broadcasting. That's what I wanted to do. And I still use that critical thinking, that research and that background uh, virtually every day. Did you go directly from your undergraduate into law school or did you take, was there a gap or you just, you knew, and that's what you pursued immediately? I, I, I went right in. What happened between my junior and senior year, WIBW in Topeka, the CBS affiliate, had an internship program and I tried out for it and got the news internship uh, for that summer between junior and senior year. As part of that internship, you become a stringer on the KU campus or whatever school you attend. You go back to that school your senior year and you report for them. You you know, send them news information or stories. In the case of KU, I was able to come over and still continue working on weekends. Uh, and then actually was working two days a week as well on the radio side. They had a TV and AM and FM set up. They were one of those older businesses that they grandfathered in when the, the FCC decided to break all of that up, but they still had all three in the same building. So I got TV experience. I got more radio experience. And I was doing that my senior year and, and it was amazing, I, almost full time, not quite, uh, sacrificed a lot to do it. I missed out on a lot of things that, you know, you take for granted as a college kid. But to me, it was, again, another step forward in what I wanted to do. Uh, as it turns out, that would be the TV station I would first go to work for. But that was a, that was a blessing to me to have that opportunity, not just to work in the newsroom, but I was actually on air. Uh, doing some anchoring, a lot of reporting, writing for radio and TV, and that that really proved invaluable. What at what point did you decide for certain that you didn't necessarily want to be a media lawyer, but you wanted to maintain the the on air career path? That's a great question. I think it was I think it was probably my third year in law school. Uh, I had done a, a law clerkship as as it's known in Washington, DC, between my second and third year in law school with a, a firm that did media law, maybe as a blessing in disguise for me, I got sort of pigeonholed in the regulatory side. I wanted to do First Amendment law. 
but I got pigeonholed in the regulatory side of this firm for most of the summer. So it was a lot of tedious, you know, sort of clerkship kind of things, reviewing documents. Uh, there, there wasn't really a lot of interaction with partners in the law firm or an opportunity to, to, you know, see what they did day in and day out. So by the end of that summer, it became apparent, well, that's not what I want to do. Well, it was a terrific experience, a great summer in D.C., wouldn't trade it for the world. Came, but while I was there, our 10 o'clock anchor at the time at WIVW left to go back to her home, or to her original market of Des Moines. Her husband got transferred there and they had the 10 o'clock opening. At that time, the news director anchored the six and they had someone else do the 10. Uh, I was visiting by phone from DC with the operations manager at the TV station, just have you know social call really. He told me about the, the departure. And I said, I kind of joked. I said, oh, I'll do it for you. And he said, what did you say? And I said, no, Carlos, I was kidding. I've got a third year of law school to wrap up. He said, what if I hired a producer, which they had never had for the 10 o'clock news, the anchor produced the show. And I said, well, I said, you know, let me think about it. And he said, well, let me, he, he said, let me take it, you know, to the top and see what, what, what they say. And within a few hours, he called back and said, it's yours if you want it. Uh, so upon a lot of reflection, I decided at that point, you know what, I know what I want to do. This gives me a head start. I had uh, whittled my class load down to uh, not as many hours. By, by the time you're a third year law student, you're spending most of your time doing law review, which I was not on, or moot court, which I had done a little bit. So I was able to structure my class schedule for classes in the morning, study in the afternoon, and then I would drive to Topeka from Lawrence Monday through Friday, they had a producer who had already started on the show, and then I would join and help finish it out and anchor the 10 o'clock news. So my third year in law school, I had started my career and then ultimately stayed on at Channel 13 WIBW for three years after law school. As it turned out, I met my wife in law school. She was fine with Topeka. She had grown up there, uh, and we did three years there uh, you know, together, and it was, it was a great way to, to start a career and to be able to to have started it while I was in law school and uh, it set the stage for then what would come next. And I want to talk about what comes next, I, but I'd like to go back just briefly. Uh, and because a lot of people associate radio and television with the on-air talent, but are maybe less familiar with the positions of producer and editor and things like that. Can you tell us just a little bit about what the producer does? Sure. I'm glad you asked that Chuck, because I, I do focus, tend to focus on air, but you know, you see an anchor or a reporter on TV. You don't see the countless people behind them who are who are helping to put that broadcast together. The producer is really the key person. For example, uh, when I go in at one o'clock in the afternoon, there's been a producer working on my five o'clock newscast for several hours, and I'll jump in and help from there on out if if, if that you know if he needs help. Same with the six o'clock show I do. And then the nine o'clock producer comes in about the same time I do and begins work on that show. They are, they are the architects of the newscast. They are the ones who sort of decide what stories they want to include with, with help from you know, the team. They work with reporters on their stories throughout the day. They build the rundown of the show, produce the show and with graphics and what video they're looking for and do the bulk of the writing for the newscast. They sometimes have associate producers who help as well. So that, and that, that's really more of a management track role. If you're a good producer, you can end up being an executive producer, which oversees a day part and multiple broadcasts. And then from there, potentially running a newsroom yourself. 
So uh, I always tell young people, listen, if you want a fast track to a, a big city, for example, producing is the way to go because we cannot find enough good producers. And I, by we, I mean not only our newsroom, but the industry in general. Uh, finding qualified good news producers who are willing to relocate, uh, that's the fast track way to get where you want to be. If your passion is being on air and communicating, I certainly urge you to continue that too. There are other opportunities as well. Photojournalists, if you're interested in photography, photojournalists play a key role. Obviously, we're a visual medium, so you need photojournalists who, who can carry out that aspect of it. Uh, sports and weather, if you're interested in those, are certainly options. Weather, most TV stations now require a meteorology degree, uh, particularly in this part of the country where you have a lot of weather. So I would urge you to, to think about that as a path if you're looking to be on air. We only hire meteorologists now. You have to have your meteorology degree. So um, yes, it's a team effort. There are people behind the scenes and we I don't know a whole lot about the electronic or technical side of it, but we have engineers, uh, technicians, uh, people behind the scenes beyond even the folks who are in the newsroom. So a lot of opportunities if you want to get into the business. That's great. So you were at WIBW um, and Obviously, your early experience while you were a student probably helped make the connections and hone your craft. At what point did you think, I like, I like Topeka, I like WIBW, but maybe I'd like to do something different in a bigger place? Oh, about six months into it, I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. We had a great opportunity there in Topeka, but you're always thinking, particularly when you're young and just getting started, how do I get to Dallas? How do I get to Chicago? How do I get to the network? Um, and back then, if you remember, there, there weren't the opportunities today. There were three broadcast networks, four if you include PBS. The CNN had just come online. Uh, you know, so, so the cable world was just beginning. The digital world was years away. I mean, now you can add the digital world of, of streaming, and webcasting uh, available, what you and I are doing here, that, that was not possible. So uh, back then I'm thinking, you know, I wanna be like Bill Curtis. I used him as an example, a Kansan who had worked at WIBW, went to the University of Kansas for undergrad, then Washburn Law School in Topeka, and then on to the networks from there. Back then you were going quicker to the networks because this is back in the, I think in the sixties, when they were begging people to come to work for their news divisions because nobody believed in television news yet. It wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. So, but I thought, you know what, that, that's what I need to do. I'll spend a couple of years here. And then the next place I want to go, I want to be, I want to move up to a bigger market. That opportunity would actually take me down the turnpike to Wichita, Kansas, where a gal I had worked with, Debbie Bush, who was a K-State grad and to this day, a good friend, and now general manager, she ended up on the management side. She's down in Phoenix, uh, called and said, hey, my news director, I told him about you. He wants to see your tape. Uh, so I sent my tape to Wichita thinking, I don't really want to go there. It's not the next stop for me. I want to be a, go to a bigger market. But went down and interviewed, liked the opportunity. I was going to be on the streets as a reporter with a chance to do some fill-in anchoring and maybe... They were going to add a five o'clock newscast, suggested that that might be an opportunity for me. And I got to thinking, you know, I need to be on the street. I need to be reporting day in and day out, doing live shots, because I kept getting feedback when I would send out tapes. We need breaking news. We need live stuff. I was in a studio for WIBW. I wasn't out covering news. 
So I thought that might be a quicker route to move on to the next big market. And by the way, Kansas City, my wife and I always had our eye on Kansas City because we obviously being in Lawrence, she in Topeka, we knew we knew the town quite well. Long story short, ended up in Wichita. Uh, ultimately thought I'd be there a couple of years and move on. Got a chance to anchor. You start signing contracts for three or four years at a time. We had our first child down there and then our second. Uh, and we actually settled in for seven years and, and enjoyed our time in Wichita. Still have good friends. It was a market I watched growing up. The TV station I worked for, the NBC affiliate, I had watched growing up, got to work with some people I had seen, uh, you know, sort of made, got me interested in an early age in doing what they were doing. So that was kind of a thrill for us. We had a great time in, in Wichita before we got to Kansas City. Having done the reporting work and the anchor desk, uh, clearly some differences, but um, what are the keys to being successful in each of those different jobs? That's a great question. I think the main thing, I think a key, and I, and I, and I, I sense there's a kind of a lack of this now in some of the, the kids coming out of journalism schools. I think you have to care about what's going on in your world. There are so many distractions now with social media, uh, you know, with, with streaming on Netflix and all these other. I think young people, and you can start now, and I'm speaking to the kids who are watching this, read a newspaper every day, you know, get online and look at news sites from various different uh, points of view. Watch TV news, or even now, if you don't have a, a chance to sit down and watch a newscast, you can go to a, a TV station's website or a network's website and on demand see some of the stories for free that are done. That's how I sort of learned how to write, was watching how others did it and reading a lot. So know what's going on in your world, you know, understand the differences between state legislatures and Congress and their roles, understand how school boards work, understand how law enforcement works in your community. Because if you are a reporter in a town, no matter how large or small, you never know what story you're covering that night, right? You don't know if you're being sent to the school board meeting, which I often was in Wichita, or if you're gonna be covering a fire, or if you're gonna be covering the state legislature as I did in Topeka. I learned a lot by just doing that in smaller markets. Nowadays, I'm often explaining to young reporters some of the differences. And I'm, I'm wondering, are you, not, are you not reading? Are you not aware of what's going on? You know, get off Instagram and TikTok and focus on, you know, things that are happening in your world. I think that's important. Other skills, you know, again, I sort of alluded to it, Chuck. I think good writers are good readers. The more I read, I, I see a style I like or a, a particular columnist or a writer or a reporter on TV who, wow, I love the way he or she used the pictures and natural sound to tell the story with very few words. And I think that's, that's a, a, a gift, but also a skill that you can learn the more you write and the more you observe how others do it. Not, not copy, but just observe and pick up different tips along the way. Uh, I just think that's important. This will be a difficult question, but um, what is the what is the most difficult story you've had to do? And maybe, and I say difficult because you've done so many over the years. It, it may be difficult to choose one, but you know, one of the ones that comes to mind. And and why was it difficult to cover that? That's a that's a great question. And you're right. Over time, you you, you try not to become desensitized to what you're seeing or or reporting on. 
I think early on, one of the most difficult um, stories I covered and not not where it happened, but the impact on the local community was the uh, Hyatt Regency Skywalk collapse. Um, gosh, that would have been what, back in 19, the early 80s, if I, if I remember my history right. At any rate, I was at WIBW in Topeka. Um, it, it happened on a Friday. And among those killed in that collapse were members of the Topeka Australia, uh, it was a, a band that had gone over to perform, mariachi band. Uh, Topeka is a very tight, has a very tight-knit Hispanic community in part because of the railroads history there. Um, and I covered the funeral of uh, some of the members uh, of that, uh, the parish in Topeka. And remember, you know, just seeing the impact of that loss on our community at that time. Um, at the same time, standing right next to a CBS news correspondent who had flown in to cover the services and realizing just how big this story was nationally. Um, it was, that was impactful just because of how it affected the town I was working in. The other stories that are very, very difficult for me, a lot of times you, 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 you're involved in a lot of coverage of crime, but when children are involved uh, and, and they become victims of crime or or whatever circumstances they may face, poverty, drugs, broken homes, that's hard. I'm a dad, right? And, uh, and that, that, those hit home. Those are the toughest stories, I think, even today. And then conversely, what are some of, the, some of your favorite stories that maybe mm-hmm. brought you the most joy? Well, I will tell you, you remember we started this conversation on my love of sports and how I, I thought at one time I might want to be a, a play-by-play or sportscaster. Uh, probably the biggest thrill for me has been the ability to cover my childhood teams, the Royals, the Chiefs, and yes, the Jayhawks in championship seasons. 2014 and 15, I was tabbed to go along to cover the Royals in San Francisco and in New York and was there for game five and on the field when they won the World Series. Improbable. Nobody ever saw that coming, right? The Chiefs in the Super Bowl um, in Miami and in Tampa uh, got to see one win, uh, and that was terrific, 54, Super Bowl 54, and then cover the parades for both and be a part of the coverage of the parades. Um, And, of course, the Jayhawks. I've covered, gosh, uh, four Final Fours now, uh, San Antonio in 08. Actually, I go back to Atlanta in 03. Katie lost in the semis. Got to see a championship in 08, Mario's Miracle in San Antonio and cover that. Uh, but I was able to watch the games actually with a ticket. And then 18 in San Antonio, the loss to Villanova. But then last year, lucky enough to be sent to New Orleans to cover uh, the win. That was almost as improbable as the Royals. When they got blown out by Kentucky in Allen Fieldhouse in February, I think we all thought, well, that's this is not our year, right? Turns out that was a pivotal moment for that team. They really turned it on after that. And so it was a thrill to be there in New Orleans. We had to drive down 13 hours, things like 13 and a half hours with a photographer, a KU guy, by the way, uh, who's now in Dallas uh, working there. Uh, and it was on the way back. We had that long drive back and we didn't care. We were just, we were grinning from ear to ear, bringing back that basketball title to, to Kansas city. It was awesome. That was great. Yeah. So you've been able to do a variety of things because I know you do a, a Kansas city chiefs like end zone show. Casey end zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then also you have a political show. So 
a variety uh, in your portfolio. Is that because just of your personal interests, obviously skill, but how, how do they determine that you get to do the, the wide variety of assignments? You know, I think, I think, and this is sort of a lesson for, for young people as well. I think I'm, I'm willing to take on whatever they need. You have to be a team player. And if, if the boss comes to you and says, Hey, our new owner, and by the way, I'm on my fifth owner at uh, Fox four in Kansas city, but our new owner is very digital. They, they believe in the web in content exclusively for the web. They have a concept called Digital First. And he advised me that they wanted us to launch a political show for the web only. Uh, and I love politics. I cut my teeth covering the legislature and uh, the governor's office in Topeka when I was at WIW. Stations got away from covering politics because it wasn't good TV. Next are my corporate parent believes in politics. So they launched a show and we did it in partnership with the uh, Kansas City Star. And I got to I get to work with my my good friend, Dave Helen, who used to work at Fox 4. He's now on the newspaper side. Um, and we do that show weekly and it's now on television, too. So it, it was a success on the Web. They moved it to TV. The KCN Zone deal is, is sort of a I got lucky there. We had a, a, two brand new sports guys. We had we had had some retirements. Al Wallace, my good friend who I'd covered KU basketball with. Uh, took early retirement, uh, now teaching at the School of Journalism in, in K, at KU. Uh, we had two brand new uh, sports guys and the news director at the time, our previous news director, she came to me and said, hey, would you mind helping out with this sports show? I'd already been doing a podcast without Wallace. She knew I followed the Chiefs and followed sports. Kind of a familiar face to our viewers who you could get the show going. One thing led to another. We started doing that show. It became KCN Zone. And I kind of thought at some point they would kick me off the show. Now they better not. I'm having a blast with that show. We have a great time covering it. And it's, I think it's been a, a key reason I was able to go to a couple of Super Bowls because I represented not just Fox 4, but the, the coverage of the Chiefs uh, during that show. John Holt, thank you so much for your time. I've got, I've got just a couple of questions as our, our time runs down. Sure. If, if you weren't able to be in broadcasting, in news, um, sports, what job would you want to do? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. I think there's probably more than one. I always thought, you know, if I wasn't if I wasn't going to be covering the news, maybe I should be part of making it and, and be involved in politics somehow. I'm not sure that the fire burns deep for that in this day and age. Um, I still love sports. I th I would love to be doing play-by-play -play or a sports call-in show or maybe a news call-in show on radio. Uh, AM talk radio or FM, but particularly AM, has become such a big genre. Um, and I have friends who do it. Uh, and it, I, it's, it's a pure form of communication. You don't worry about lights and cameras and makeup and hair and all that, or what you're wearing. You just, you just do it. You just have a conversation with, with your uh, listener and caller. And I think that might be kind of fun. So uh, not that I'm angling to, to be out of what I'm doing, because I'm getting to do a lot of different things, which I love, and still reporting, doing some long form special projects reporting, um, which to me, writing and storytelling is my favorite thing of all. Um, but th those might be some avenues. It's probably too late. Maybe I could do some high school football games or something. What I'd have to do to do sports, Chuck, I'd have to start over and do what I did before. I'd have to prove myself in a smaller venue and then try to work my way up. One of the guys I used to work with in, in Lawrence, uh, this is a quick little story. He, he worked on the AM side on the weekends and I was on the FM side and we'd wave at each other and we'd sit and chats. You know, I'd put on a 
a long record and he'd be playing a program on the AM side and we'd meet in the newsroom and chat and got to know each other. Guy by the name of Kevin Harlan. A name you know, obviously, who's now network for CBS on football, TNT on basketball, covers basketball for CBS during March Madness. Just a great guy, good friend. And uh, I just remember those days. But Kevin had to prove himself along the way, just, just like I did. And obviously, he's done terrific. And uh, so I'd have to start over. Maybe I, maybe I should maybe I should think about that when they kick. Yeah, I kill career specialist. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a. Two more quick questions. You have shared a lot of wisdom and advice. And so you've covered a lot of this and hopefully our students have, have taken that in. But is there one piece of advice, just generally speaking, that you would share with our students on how to be successful in, in life and in a career? I would say find your passion. That's the first thing I tell students when I'm talking to them, whether uh, younger people or maybe a college class. Don't don't do something because it's easy, you know, or you think you'll make a lot of money. Um, do it because you love it, because you have to go in every day and you have to love what you're doing. Um, some days are better than others. I don't love every day. There are frustrations with my job, just like there are frustrations for lawyers. I could have been a lawyer, could have made a, a boatload of money being a partner in a law firm. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew I wouldn't be happy. I dabbled in it, worked briefly for a firm and just didn't enjoy it. I knew what my passion was and that if I was going to go into work, get up every morning and go into work, whatever time of day that was, um, then I had to love what I was doing. Also, don't be afraid to work hard. Uh, you, you have to realize that when you do what, what we do in our business, you may have to work nights. I work nights. You may have to work weekends. I started working weekends. I still get called in occasionally on weekend coverage. Um, you may work a 10-hour day, even though you're on salary, there's no overtime. You just, again, it goes back to loving what you do. You don't care. You love what you're doing. Um, be ready to sacrifice, you know, holidays. I missed so many Christmases with my kids. It's kind of looking back now, I sort of regret that, but I tried to make up for it in other ways. So um, yeah, be, be prepared to work hard. And, and if you love what you do, that'll be easy. I think I know the answer, but outside of work, how do you express yourself or have fun? <laughs> Wow. Um, well, I'm a very average golfer, uh, maybe below average, but I do enjoy playing golf. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of, I don't watch, interesting, I don't watch a lot of TV. You know, people talk about movies and shows they're streaming, unless it's news or sports. I'm not a big, I can't, I'm type A, I can't sit there long enough. But I do love, and, and I don't think this will be a surprise, I do love following the Jayhawks, the Chiefs, the Royals. I love going to games. Um, I'm an avid football fan. I was up on the hill on Saturdays tailgating with some buddies when there was hardly anybody there just because we loved college football. And so I, again, that's kind of a passion of mine. And, and I used to kind of try to keep that quiet in Kansas City because you have Mizzou Tigers and you have K-State Wildcats and Iowa State Cyclones. But you know what? I think everybody appreciates. I never dog the other team. I just support mine. Um, and so that's, uh, that's a passion of mine, too, and a, kind of a fun way to pass the time. Well, John Holt with Fox 4 Kansas City, thank you so much for sharing wisdom, sharing your time. We've learned a lot and we'll look forward to continuing to follow your career, especially when it's uh, related to covering the Jayhawks for me personally. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I would love to get a chance. I've covered a Final Four. I'd love to get a chance to cover a college football playoff game 
Actually, I just take a bowl game at this point, right? We can't be, we, we can't be picky. Yes. Well, thank you and see you latte. Thank you.